to me, I'd never equate money to satisfaction in my job. I just never have. And probably one of the reasons why I am not going to be making multi-millions of dollars on this because the money is not the object for me. It's the satisfaction that I get from my job, not the dollar that equates to the satisfaction. Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Archispeak. Welcome to episode 80 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Arcuspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com and the Architecture Business Plan Competition. We'll talk more about each of them later in the show. But first up, we have a friend of the show to announce. We have a brand new friend of the show, and that is Jamie Molina, a newly licensed architect working in Santa Monica, California. And Neil, maybe you know Jamie, claims, I, to, I, have, claims to have met you. Yes. Or a person it, it who happen. looked like, a lot like you at the AIA convention in Atlanta at the Cal Poly alumni event. And so that's cool. Um, and so, uh, Jamie, thank you very much for donating and becoming a friend of the show. We really do appreciate it. If anybody else would like to become a friend of the show, you can go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate and any donation over $5, which helps keep this show going and makes all of this stuff possible. We would love to hear from you. And uh, so head on over there, arcuspeakpodcast.com slash donate and donate to the show. Thank you. All right, Cormac. So this this article has been going around and uh, it's hilarious. And I think this is a fun topic. So let's not make it too serious here, guys. <laughs> but why don't you introduce it? All right. Well, um, this came off of a pretty interesting whirlwind of a few uh, weeks of late nights and early mornings and every other inch of an hour that I could, you know, squeeze out of it to dedicate to uh, a project. A deadline. And uh, right. when I kind of uh, pulled my head above water, I started getting back into reading any blog post or anything that, you know, had kind of fallen behind. I know, Evan, I think you probably turned me on to the Medium Corporation's uh, websites, which is telling them a collection of different posts and everything else. And um, this one kind of struck me as uh, it is, is timely. It was from an article from uh, Jessica Seaman um, and or, or Semen or Saman. Sorry, I'm going to butcher her name. Yeah. And my apologies. One um, of those three might be right. Yeah. Anyway, it was entitled working hard um which was uh, really interesting because you know it's a this article basically was a uh, poetic way to kind of sum up and summarize different attitudes and, and thoughts towards um you know this notion of working extremely hard and uh there was a couple of different you know quotes in here but uh there was one it's um let's see uh, I used to praise people uh, that worked hard and mimic them until uh, burnout came knocking. I was uh, forced to ask myself why. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times if you think about, and we'll get a little bit further into the meat of the, uh, um, and it was a very short article. but um, And we'll have a link to it, the show notes. And we'll have a link to it. But what was interesting is if, if you think about this, and this is a culture that just has 
been perpetuated in the you know in our profession you know since uh, day one we walk into architecture school it's you know work as hard as you possibly can you know I was talking to a um, an intern that's uh, working over um, I guess just over the uh, Christmas break he was working in the office and uh, he was talking about um, you know I really hope that uh, the profession isn't like the um, like studio where we're you know, up all night and everything else. I'm like, well, you know, there's those. I was like, you know, it was interesting as there's those times. In in Neil, you, I mean, you, the, the chuckle indicates that uh, as a sole practitioner, you're you're pulling a lot of late nights. Um, no, I don't actually. That's part of my problem. I don't work hard enough. <laughs> so you see um, it as a problem. I gave up on that shit a while back. <laughs> I've done it. I'm done. Well, that I don't that's do eighty that, hours a week. Well, I, I think that's exactly what the the article's getting getting to neil and it's like i'm done with this uh and but but back to your point cormac where i actually think that people who go through architecture school kind of do tend to have the laugh that neil let out because we are trained for it we actually do go to school and get trained to work that hard um whereas a, a lot of a lot of different groups don't get trained to work like that but what's interesting is that the software industries uh she looks like she used to work for airbnb or does so the startup, the VC kind of group, the Silicon Valley scene is very much heading down that path uh, of that kind of a lifestyle. And so I think that that's probably why we, we kind of relate to this article, right? And why, why we're bringing it up at all is just because this is, this is almost normal. It's definitely kind of normal when you're in school, depending on the type of student you are. And then when you get into the, the work world, the career world, um, it, it can be like that at times. It, it really depends where you work. Uh, I would say that if, if you work in, in like Gary's office, it's going to be a lot different than if you work for yourself or if you work in a, in a office like I do. So th- there is a vastly different landscape of kind of expectations and work hours out there. But I, w- I do think that every once in a while, depending on the type of job you have, and it, so it could be like I spend a lot of time on projects early in the phases of design. Um, I spend a lot more time on it than, than anybody else, right. On my project. But then at the end of the project, it might be somebody else who's, who's really cranking through construction documents. They, they might have more of a load than I do at that point. So, and, and they probably do. So it, it really depends on your role in the whole pipeline of, of what you do. There's other firms where you're just going to work that you're going to work 80 hours a week, no matter what. More recently, I've been, Pulling in a lot of hours. Um, I, I did my uh, you know timesheet um, earlier today. You know today was for our office. Today we were uh, closed for the holiday, and um, here I was up at I think I was up at three a.m. downstairs in the basement, um, clicking away trying to get a submission out. Um, a little a little bit beyond the norm because you know a lot of times we're working on a project that's got a i won't say reasonably decent schedule because you know when it comes down to it and and everybody knows that you know we never really have that decent schedule but um this was one where you know in just over the weekend itself of a three-day weekend i've already surpassed uh, my hours for the week you know, on a forty-hour work week, I've already I'm done, and I haven't even actually started my work week. But is that um, is that self-directed, or is that coming from an expectation, or is that because it's uh, a new job and you want to prove yourself? Like there, there seems like there's a lot that could be going into well, you that. What's interesting is that you know you, you say that, and, and there's there's oftentimes um, I remember actually uh, this this may be one of those uh, self-help. You know, let me lay back on the couch and kind uh-huh. of uh, talk about it because. Um, what what was funny is uh, you know, my wife was talking about you know this job it's just it's like you know you're you're work pulling all of these hours and I'm like I don't think it's necessarily the job I think it's more me and you know I've just been one of these people that have put in more hours than probably I need to more to be either at or in front of expectations not necessarily from anybody higher up than me but just me myself. Um, yeah, but you're setting and, uh, you're setting an example for those who are younger than you. Well, a lot of times, well, I don't know if I am or not. And I, I probably, you know, possibly. Yeah, you are. 
Sure. Heck yeah. Especially I if guess. they're working under you or for you or well, with you. No one, no one is actually seeing me do all of this. This is a oh, so the oh, this is the superhuman complex that you. Have. <laughs> <laughs> These are the behind the scenes doing it at home or you know okay. coming home, logging in and just trying to get it. In this particular case, it was because this is a uh, project that was um, was somewhat doomed from the start because it was uh, it started late. The um, expectation from the client was that they can't rel- you know relent on the um, the start date. Yet they just recently, within two weeks from today, actually. Uh, two weeks ago today, they approved the design. And on Friday, we're expecting 50% CDs. Yeah, so math. is that a breakdown on your firm side of saying, well, if, if the schedule goes to this, then it adjusts out? Or, it, or because they're incapable of doing that with this client? I mean, there's so many dynamics that go into these things. That's probably both a similar and uh, different topic. And it's one where how much do you work and how much do you pro- uh, promise a client, especially if it's a new client, that you're hoping to be a repeat client. I've got another um, topic. Because how do you, you do know, that because, when you're how do you how are you the one making those promises when you're not the one doing the work? This is true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. And so you know the people who are expected to perform the miracles aren't really the ones who are doing the work and the ones that are doing the work um, that are really pulling kind of, you know, pulling the miracles are the ones that are killing themselves, you know, yeah. kind of going back to this uh, article. I mean, you know, how, how much, when do you realize to yourself that you're doing too much or doing too much work? I don't know if I've hit that threshold yet. Rock bottom. And, uh, I, I would, I would guess Cormac, if you haven't even started work yet this week and you've already exceeded or met your work obligation <laughs> as far as ours, you've hit that point. <laughs> Hello? Well, this, this brings me back to that a- Andrew Maynard ar- article that we re- talked about a long time ago. Right. Where he was working at a firm. He's an Australian architect, and he's working at a firm, and he would keep the employee handbook on his desk. And when someone asked him to work more or do this again, he, w- he would just pull it out and read it right out of the handbook and say, nope, I'm not going to do it, and here's why, because it's right inside the the guidelines of, of this workplace that I'm not supposed to be doing that. But it is an expectation of a lot of people in the field that that just happens, even though it it could be against the local labor laws and and all that stuff. It's just kind of a code that architects seem to have coming out of school. And I I think there's there's also a a different kind of mental work ethic that I've got going on in my own own brain. And it, it stems back to Army. I mean, hell, I mean, I could go down the list of all the different jobs and and what kind of uh, employee I was, it was, um, I just can't be associated with a failing product. Yeah, but that, that responsibility doesn't last, doesn't rest on your shoulders alone. It sure. shouldn't. It shouldn't, of course. Yeah. But this is also something that just, you know, inherent to me, I can't let anything fail. Um, so body and sleep be damned kind of thing. I will make sure... And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's been plenty of people on this project that have been bo- pulling the late night hours trying to do the same thing. But, um, you know, yes, I am the one that's been leading the charge on sleepless nights trying to uh, push this project to getting it to the point where it should be. Um, and a lot of this is just, you know, um, I don't want to be involved or tagged with, you know, any project, any any job that I've ever worked on, any project, you know, I've I've always made this, you know, when have you ever known me to not be prepared for this milestone or that milestone? And it's just that's that's uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that might be my my downfall. And that's probably why uh, you won't see me running a uh, a company again. Yeah, that the, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, if and you then it really it, you know, is all on your shoulders. I mean, Neil, you know, you said that you laughed and, and chuckled and said that, you know, you wouldn't do that. You've done that. You don't you won't do it again. Um, so, I have a hard time getting up enough uh, uh, enthusiasm to to really do it 
again. Well, and you have to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, if you miss a deadline, uh, is it is it really worth the potential falling asleep at the wheel or like you're saying, sleepless nights? uh, Bad health, bad sleep, bad bad eating. There's all kinds of stuff that goes along with just staying awake that long. Unless you're punching a time clock, I think regardless of the profession you're in, you're always taking advantage or being taken advantage in one way or another, whether it's by choice or by somebody dictating to you, you're always working more hours. I mean, that's the whole reason why a lot of places put people on salary because it's cheaper to have them work more than it is to pay overtime. So I think that's one, one problem, but I, I think that ultimately we have to make our own choices and, um, and at some point in time with family and other obligations, you just have to, you know, uh, you have to call it, you have to say stop. Well, no one's going to do it give, for you. No one's, yeah, that's well. true. I mean, there were, there were many times, and this was more when I was in school and maybe when I was first out of school working, you know, there were events, there were, you know, things my friends did that uh, I just didn't go to because I, I worked, right? And so I've made a choice that, I'm not going to do that. And if it means that I can't make a deadline now in my position, you know, I, I set my own deadline. So it's like, okay, I can try and give myself enough time. Um, but that being said, that doesn't always happen. Um, and I've been working a lot lately myself and, um, I can tell cause I'm getting grumpier. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and so I'm not happy about that. So it's like, okay, once this, this is done, you know, then I need to get back to a more normal um, uh, time frame to, to work on. But, uh, but I can control that. And so I'm trying to control that. And I guess I've just uh, decided that, you know, my life or other aspects of my life are important enough to me that uh, work is not the most important thing, I guess. And that may come shocking to some students that might be listening to this or some younger professionals that are just getting out there and thinking, uh, you know, they're trying to change the world and, and God bless you. I, you know, some of you will, and, um, thank you for that. But I think that, you know, I, have got other things going on in my life and I realize that, uh, you know, life is precious. And as we've seen recently at the early part of 2016, a number of musicians have passed away at some fairly young ages, 67, 69. And, and, uh, not that I'm that close to it, but I'm closer to those <laughs> ages than I am to 20. So, yeah. um, you know, so it gives it sometimes gives you a little pause. And, and it's a reality to, check. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a reality check. And I, I, I really appreciate what Jessica says in her article that she needs to um, to make time for her friends and family and, and her loves and, you know, things that she wants to do. And, you know, that I guess it's just ultimately it's a personal choice. And, uh, you know, if you're in a position where you're working too hard and you want to change that, then change it. But I mean, that's not to say that we don't have to do it from time to time. And, uh, even if it makes us grumpy, it's a short time frame, and then it's done and over. It's when you are doing it over and over and week after week after week, you get burned out. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that word. I mean, that's an interesting word because she uses it, you know, in her article and, and you hear it all the time, you know, people people feeling burned out. But that really is kind of a, a light word to put on what that really means, don't you think? I mean, what what really yeah. is burnout? Exhaustion. Well, you know, what's funny is that Niels was rattling off the reason why he decided not to basically overwork himself was because, he, you know, he wanted, wanted to spend time with his family and do a lot of these other things that he was sacrificing because of working hard. You know, it's interesting is that the reason why I'm kind of working behind the scenes where it's kind of never really seen and never really perceived is because I'm also willing to not sacrifice all of those other things like missing basketball practices or you know performances or whatever, because I'm so unwilling to miss all of that stuff. I'm willing to say, you know, some, I'm willing to sacrifice myself and my body for the greater good of everything else. Make sure everybody else is happy kind of thing mm. to then kind of, you know, and so I just kind of 
And, and I don't, you know, it, it's weird is I don't feel, I don't ever really feel burned out or I don't feel like, oh, I can't believe that I work. I mean, just for this particular topic, will anybody ever really realize, you know, that I'm sitting here working some insane crazy hours because I don't really care. I don't, I don't bitch and moan about the fact that I have to put in like, you know, 60 hours a week. So what? It's a job. I do it. I love it. And, um. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it succeed, but I'm also not going to have my kids sitting there. God, I really wish that my dad was here, but um, he's not here because he chose work over me. Yeah, because that's never going to happen. So the the payoff or the the trade off is is that I will, you know, I'll get up, you know, you know, I'll get up a few hours. And, and there are so many people who are probably listening to this. It's like, yeah. I, Get up, get up at five a.m. and I, you know, do a little, you know, a couple extra hours here, a couple extra hours well, there. I, wait till yeah. the kids go to bed, and I'll cut, do a couple of little hours, you know. But they do it because they love what they're doing. Yeah, but it's a to me like this is a you're still making unhealthy choices. I mean, even if you are doing it so that you can do these other things, I mean, really, there there's still something deeper than just having to work the hours. I mean, is it because the project wasn't allotted enough time? Um, and what I, what I mean by that is, oh, is like, Cormac, you're going to go send yourself to an early grave by, by operating like this, yeah. by, by not getting enough sleep, by not eating right, by not doing all these things. Those are all unhealthy choices. I mean, you might think I'm crazy for going down a canyon, rappelling off a 300-foot cliff, but I, I also think that yes. like living the lifestyle that you're living in that way is just as dangerous. It's just dangerous in a different way. So do you know what I mean by that? Oh, no, I, I, I totally understand. I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And, and trust me, I've, I've, I've heard it from my wife. It's just like, you need to slow down and just not work so much. Like, I yeah, think we you know, need some more probably... uh, friend of the show donations for uh, Cormac's psychotherapy sessions. <laughs> There's nothing psychotherapy about it. I, it, it doesn't bug me. It, it, that's the thing is that I don't understand how people can bitch and moan about I'm sacrificing this or that when what I'm, I'm not sacrificing anything other than, you know, a few extra hours of sleep. But the thing is, I've never really slept that much in my entire life. So mm. if I'm awake, yeah, why not work? <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a hobby. <laughs> but is it, is it, is it the architecture it, is a hobby? Is it just I, the job though that, yes. that, that doesn't have enough time in the day to get it done by the deadline? Well, the, actually that's more, you know, and, and <laughs> I don't what, know, I guess it, job has I guess it turned time, off. though, Evan. No, I know Honestly, you could, I mean, you could always spend more time, but well, right. you know, and, and actually I think that's probably the bigger question is, is, is is probably twofold. It's is the project being you know both time allotted and staffed. Let's let's roll that into one question. Um, and you know, are why are we predisposed to sacrifice all of these hours? Uh, that that's probably a different one. That that goes back to you know Neil's psychotherapy jab because you know that that is something that some people are predisposed to working their ass off and, you know, and and other people are, you know, predisposed to say, yeah, I'll, I'll give you what you're paying me for, but I'm not going to give you any more. And, and then there's the, the weird one that's kind of in the middle and it's probably me that I'll give you whatever it takes to get the job done. But when the job's done, I'm moving on to, you know, either the next job or relaxing. Yeah. It's probably going to be the next job, but whatever. <laughs> well i i'll tell you what while you're relaxing why don't you uh check out our cat our sponsor <laughs> so uh are you tired of randomly searching the internet for building products would you like to have one place where you can find reliable building product information directly from the manufacturer then visit our at arcat.com there you can search the RCAT libraries for architectural building products to find specifications, CAD details, BIM objects, and more free of charge with no registration required to download content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. 
Check out RCAT today at ARCAT.com. And thanks to RCAT for sponsoring ArcaSpeak. Hey, you know, one of the things I wanted to, before we move on to uh, another article here, but one of the things I, I did want to bring up about this article um, here that we've been discussing from Jessica is I don't want the impression to be that this is some sort of, I, I don't know if her intention is that, uh, and I'll just use the M word, the, you know, uh, some millennial that's just doesn't want to work, just wants to show up to the office and get a trophy and, and play around on Facebook and go home at the end of the day. I don't know if that's uh, where this article is coming from. It didn't quite sound that way, but it did sort of have a little bit of that feeling to it when I, when I read it. But, uh, I mean, when, you know, if you have a job and you, you're going there, you show up, you work, and if you have to put in a little extra time, you know, we all do it. And there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But there's also, we also all have to keep in mind that we all have lives outside of work. And even though architecture can be our hobbies, there's other things that we can do with our, in our lives as well. Because I think all these other things allow our minds uh, Evan, I think you've spoken about this before, allow our, our minds to kind of wander, wander a little bit and, and kind of refresh and get sometimes different perspectives on, say, a problem we're trying to design issue or something we're trying to solve in the office. And just, I think also by uh, getting out and um, being involved in other activities, it uh, makes us better architects. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> you kind of have to ask yourself to what end is it, are you doing it for? Because when I was in school, I didn't do all-nighters, and, and I've done more now that I've been out than when I was in, and I, I don't think that they're worth it um, because I don't think that the project would have suffered with <clears throat> if, I, if I didn't put in that thought in the middle of the night that wasn't very good thought anyway. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, is anybody going to benefit from it? And then you kind of have to ask yourself, is it, is it worth it? Are, are you really saving the world? Are you saving the project? Are you saving anything? Because it, it does have a cost, and I think that that's all, is, is that you have to think like, okay, this decision does have a cost to it, whether it's short-term or long-term, whether it's something you like to do or whether it's leading to burnout, whether it's you suffering or whether it's your loved ones or, or whatever. There, there's there's got to be, there's always more to it than kind of what just sits on the surface. Um, and so she kind of ends it, you know, she just says, I simply ask you why, why my friend? and And so... I think it's just good to kind of have a bigger perspective when it comes to this stuff and ask yourself, what what is the end game here? What Why am I working so hard? Because maybe you really do have a good reason. Maybe you do want to shine in that particular instance and, and get the job done and be done with it and, and, and do it well. But, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're just doing it because there's maybe not even an expectation, but you just kind of have this ingrained behavior in you um, that you can't let go of. So it is good to kind of just sit back and, and say, why do we do it the way we do it? Because you should always be able to ask that. This profession's been around a long time, and a lot of people just do things because that's the way they've always done them. And And I think it's a healthy question. Is so Why do we do it this way? Um, is it the right way to still do it? And I think this kind of perspective that's coming up in this article, we're hearing that a lot more. And I think, Neil, that's probably why you brought up the, the potential millennial angle here is because this definitely is something we're hearing more and more, especially in our profession. It's like, we want to work smarter, not harder. And there's lots and lots of tools being developed that are allowing that to happen. And so we're not always the best in our field of, of actually noticing that stuff, trying it out, seeing if it works, uh, and spending the time potentially working smarter when we're so used to working harder. Oh, wasn't wasn't the computer supposed to make working smarter better for, for drafting? Yeah, and the easy button, right? The, we talked well, about that before. I mean, you know oh, you can just change things and move it and do all this fun stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can get CDs done in record time. And actually, that is true. We do do things far faster today than we've I hear before. all the time. I keep hearing it. I, I'm trying to pay attention to how often I hear it. But I hear the two words really fast. I hear really fast all the time. I don't know if it's like that in your office, Cormac, but can you do this really uh, fast? No. Well, it can, you, you can just make this change really quick, right? You know, I mean, it's just you know, moving a couple of walls, right? <laughs> you know, you can go, you can do a bunch, you know, go look at all those previous projects we've done really fast, and you can look up all their uh, stats, and you can look at, you know, like projects and materials really fast, and you can 
all this stuff really fast, and you can draw that up really fast. And I mean, I just I hear it over and over and, and over again. And I look at the people who say that, and I'm like, you're not the one who works, right? I can tell you're not the one who actually does the work. And maybe this isn't something that's ever going to be solved in in my lifetime. And maybe uh, listening to you two, it's going to be something that is going to be a short lifetime. Um, but uh we now pronounce you i I guess i'm never you know i i I probably will never change my my work habits because it's something that i don't i mean maybe maybe other people are seeing it and they're just not telling me but i i don't see i personally don't see an issue or a problem with the way that i work because i don't sacrifice yeah okay let's lay back down on the couch and say yeah i do sacrifice um sometimes going on vacation but then again sometimes i may not have vacation time to you know spend but uh you know i mean i don't really see an issue with working the extra long hours or or things like that if it's not really interfering with any of my my other duties as both a human a husband a parent you know and all these other things that if i'm getting out and having fun then I'm getting out and having fun. If I'm working hard, then I'm working hard. You know, just it's, it is what it is. So I don't think that that's ever going to change. But, you know, you guys were saying something about another systemic problem that we have, and that's people assuming that we have all of this extra time. And that's just as probably as damaging to our health and our habits as our own personal habits. And that's, you know, giving this this false expectation that we will be able to turn around a set of, you know, 50% construction documents really in essence two weeks from the time they finally actually, you know, approve a design, you know, and it's, it's um, setting up expectations to ultimately fail without really thinking that you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're not actually looking at the overall grand scope of things, you know, you are setting yourself up for failure. But what I was going to say is what is the and and i think this is one of these problems that seems to be the the fear of why we overwork ourselves is well you know what are they going to think if we do not you know if we don't meet that deadline or or hit this milestone or you know we we did prom you know we made the mistake of promising them client out there (laughs) well is there yeah, so, there so, is. So what? So what if Neil? You there will be. Let, let me throw the hypothetical out there of you know what? Okay, what if Neil? You know you uh, keep missing a deadline for a client that you keep you keep establishing, and then that client goes out and tells you know, hey, I don't want to work with Neil anymore because you know Neil kept missing you know making promises that he didn't keep, and that seems to be the fear that everybody has. I'm not saying it's the reality. I'm just saying oh, it's, that's it's the fear. It's very much a reality. Absolutely. You can't please all of the people all of the time. Your client is not always going to be happy with you or uh, you do the best you can, I guess. And sometimes you just have to admit, yeah, I screwed that up. Apologize. Move on. Uh, You can't dwell on it because otherwise it'll make you miserable. It's complicated, right? This whole process is so complicated. And if you have somebody who is out making rain, they do have this feeling of like they are the ones responsible for the project when in reality it is the firm right and so there there is a difference between and and maybe those are one and the same in in a case like neil's but in a case like mine they're not we've got some individuals who go out and then they get projects but the company is responsible for those projects at that point right there's a staff of many many people who are responsible for getting that done and everything working out kind of perfectly for that to happen. But that one person who got the project still feels like they're the ones who made the promise personally. And so it's on them to make sure that it happens. And I think that that, is, that shouldn't happen like that. There's, there's so many people who operate under that assumption that it's, it's dangerous for them and it's dangerous for the firm. Um, because you're right, Neil, mistakes do happen Problems come up, not just from our side, right? We, I have clients all the time who don't get us information when we need it, and then, therefore, the, the schedule should get pushed out, but it, it doesn't always. Like I said, it's complicated. And, and so, therefore, you really do, I think, have to, have to say, you know, we are all in this together, and we even have to get the clients to be in this together with us. And if we don't do a good job doing that, then 
that's where these problems come from, right? If we're not out there saying, you know, you've got to get us this information so that we can turn this back around to you. Our consultants, you've got to get this to us at this time. It's There's so many wheels in motion that um, this is where communication comes in, right? And I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts. It's all about that communication. And because we – and tell me if, if you agree with this or not, Cormac, but I think that when times get tough, when timelines get tight is when that communication breaks down and we don't communicate, and then things seem like they're even higher pressure and more easy to break at that point. And then people really start to freak out, and they don't want to let people know that it's about to break. And then when they do, if it does or doesn't break, I mean, it could be like a a really exciting finish line, or it could be like all hell broke loose and we're picking up the pieces off the floor. I mean, it, it seems to get very dramatic at that point. One thing that's actually been great is every one of us have been through this particular process that I've been going through over the past week of, you know, it's all hands on deck. Everybody's rushing towards trying to get this one project done. And it almost feels like a kindergarten soccer game where everybody's running after the ball. And, you know, it's just this organized chaos. And it just it doesn't really do the project any good that everybody's just kind of like, you know, scattered out and running around on their own. Um, And for once in my career, it's actually been just the opposite where everybody sees the ball out there and instead of everybody running after it, they're like, all right, let's organize and let's make a plan of how we're going to get there. And it's, it's been actually quite refreshing that frustrating a little bit at times, but, but still very, you know, refreshing to see that everybody, stayed clear-headed and ran after the ball in an organized fashion rather than in just this mass chaos that I've been I've grown accustomed <laughs> it's to. It's like the difference between 6-year-olds playing soccer and 26-year-olds playing soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. 26-year-olds yeah. run run a little bit and they pass the ball precisely exactly. to their exactly. to their teammates and 6-year-olds just go in a clump and follow the ball around the field everybody's in the same place at the same time. And I, I've, and I made it several times over the past week. It was just like, you know what? You know, this this isn't that kindergarten soccer game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably feels a lot different to you now than it than it did at the last place you were. Yeah, because you know the last place was for yeah. What, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. Let's just say it was different. <laughs> yeah, yeah Be- we'll say it that way. Better. So, Cormac, would you be happier if you made twice the amount of money for the same amount of work? It's not. It, as sick as this sounds, it is not about the money. I know. It, I'm I mean, just referring to our other article. <laughs> I mean, because I don't, I mean, as sad as it sounds, I mean, everybody's just like, yo, you know, like somebody, uh, I was getting my hair cut today and somebody's like, uh, what do you do? And I, you know, was talking about, oh, you must make lots of money. I'm like, oh, Jesus, not this again. <laughs> Less than you do cutting my hair. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, he don't make a lot of money, but it's it's just, it's weird that people ask about the money thing, thinking that that is the reason why we do the things we well, do. Well, that's and because so many people, people do that. That is exactly the reason they do what they do. But right. I have Come yet. On, look to, at Mike Brady. He had six kids, a big house, worked from home. Sometimes, of course, we made lots of money. <laughs> there that's is the a perception. Th- there is a perception. Hey, let's let before we get into the next article, let's talk about potentially making ten thousand dollars. Go right ahead. All right. All right. Let's talk about the architecture business plan competition. Free registration for the two thousand sixteen architecture business plan competition is open through January twenty ninth, which is not much longer. Begin your planning process now and enter for a chance to win the grand prize of ten thousand dollars. Five finalists will be flown to Philadelphia to present their full plans to four industry-leading jurors, and this is right before the big AIA convention, which is May 19th through the 21st. Uh, So this uh, business plan competition finishes up on the 18th. Travel and lodging are provided. So you get a flight and lodging, and you could possibly win $10,000. It's a -a one-of-a-kind competition. It's open to all licensed architects in the United States and Canada who are planning to start a new firm within one year or currently own a firm less than 10 years old, visit 
arcbusinessplan.com. That's A-R-C-H businessplan.com to learn more. And thank you to the Architecture Business Plan Competition for helping sponsor this episode of Archispeak. So, so apparently my architectural business plan is work till I die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think you like could win with plan. that. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have worked the competition. That's not a winning win. idea. Yeah. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, I could just imagine what uh, um, old Mark LePage is thinking right now. He's just like, uh, Cormac, <laughs> you need to, we need to talk. <laughs> I need to talk. Well, you'll get to talk to him at the convention. Yeah. He can, he can set you straight. Well, Evan, set up, set up this other article you sent us that, uh, it wasn't me. It was no, Cormac. It wasn't you? This is Cormac. Oh, it's Cormac. Yeah, I think Cormac oh. probably can set it up better than I can because I read it once, but it's it's not fresh in my mind here. Well, this was again kind of started off with the one about working basically working hard because the job isn't worth it. Um, and as Neil kind of alluded to, no matter how much we get paid, well, again, catching up on my reading, I was uh, you know reading um, a couple of articles from. Life magazine, and one happened to be the uh, five high-paying jobs that will make you miserable. And uh, you know, it started running through the list of all these different jobs that were like, oh, you know, if I was just, if I made the money like a doctor or a lawyer or something, that would just be a fantastic job to have because you know, make all this money. And sure, they make a decent living but decent? it's kind of that excuse me <laughs> i think architects can make a decent living this is this is pretty well, fat this is beyond <laughs> decent. well no no see yes. Neil, this is this is this is where i was uh you know this is where i was going with you know before we did our last sponsor break and it was yeah that was a was perfect a, segue <laughs> and, it, and it was because so we're talking about to me I'd never equate money to satisfaction in my job. I just never have. And probably one of the reasons why I am not going to be making multi-millions of dollars on this because the money is not the object for me. It's the satisfaction that I get from my job, not the dollar that equates to the satisfaction. I'd be a whole lot more satisfied making $150,000 at my job. That's all I'm saying. I, well, and I agree. Right? I think that there is definitely things that money does that nothing else can do for you. And I don't mean to make that sound like it's the answer to all of your problems. Um, but there are definitely things that it affords that you don't get. And I, and I think, Cormac, that what you're saying, I, I shouldn't say it's this is what you're saying. I, I think that this is a symptom of a problem that a lot of architects have, which is we were never trained to think about it as a business up front. And, and you can say that that could be a benefit. You could argue it the other way, too. But I, yeah. I want to just say this is that I, I think a lot of people think like the what you're saying because we never had that training. But I also think that this is why so many architects are unhappy also or it's another it's one of the reasons. All right, but wait a minute. So are are we trying to say that dentists and lawyers and junior investment bankers and sales managers, excuse me here, I'm going through the list of the jobs that they say people are so miserable at, did they go to school to learn that to to just make money too? Or I mean, no, they went to school to become dentists and lawyers as well. They just happened to make four and five times what the rest of us make. Okay. We're working the same amount of effort, I guess, is the what same. I'm trying to get at. When so my point is, it's like, oof, F and who? It's like, gee, I'm so sorry you make an, uh, an average of $160,000 a year as a dentist, and you're, just, you know, you're depressed about your job. It's like, well, I make $40,000 a year, and I'm really you know, depressed about my job. I'd be a lot less depressed at 160000 that's my right. point. Neil, do you think that they were sitting in front of their career counselor in high school saying, okay, so, you know, what, I really want to make a, you know, a lot of money. I'm like, okay, well, how does rooting around in somebody else's, you know, decaying <laughs> mouth sound? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
So do you like halitosis? <laughs> I'm saying they're well compensated for for that for the we for get the, to uh, create for the, for the uh, you know 120 seconds that my dentist comes in and checks what the dental hygienist who's probably making a third of what the or a third probably a quarter of what my dentist makes uh, who spends 20 minutes you know monkeying around with my halitosis right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the dentist comes in and and spends 120 seconds and and takes home the bulk of the money. You know, good for them. I mean, that's good. But I, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, but the statistics say something else too. I mean, this is kind of the point of the article is that, and I I don't know. This is they're they're pointing out high paid people who seem to have a high rate of uh, suicide. But I think that this is probably not too far. Well, I don't want to say it's not too far off because I don't know the numbers. But I, I would say that you know this isn't limited to just the the jobs they're talking about here either. I mean, sure. I I would assume that you know, and I'm not going to say there was there's suicide in in a, a bunch of architectural jobs. But talking about job dissatisfaction, like getting to the point of rock bottom, you know, where where you don't see any way out. I, I'm I'm very shocked to say to read these numbers and so there's and i've heard this before i've heard that dennis is the highest rate of suicide out of anybody um, See, you know i think that you know things like that and, and maybe even equates into architecture that rather than a higher level of suicide that it would be more you know homicide you know? there's a lot of people out there <laughs> that i'd like to strangle. clients or um, contractors what <laughs> yeah, what? I didn't, did, oh, I didn't say that out loud. Yeah. No, no, but again, maybe I'm just not the right person to have the conversation with, but I, I don't see job satisfaction equating to cash. I'm not trying to make a direct correlation to that either. It's, it's just that I don't have a lot of sympathy for these other professions that, granted, work very hard. I'm not trying to say they don't, um, but I'm kind of guessing that we probably all work as hard and we are nowhere nearly compensated at the, at similar levels. And so that's why I don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy who or the the person making $160,000 who's depressed at because of his job. And I'm not saying that if I made that much money uh, being an architect or a dentist or a lawyer that I wouldn't have my own issues as well. And I'm certainly not trying to make light of uh, serious issues like depression and, and suicide. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of that at all. It just seems a little crazy to me that I don't, I'm not necessarily trying to equate job satisfaction to money. It's just that I think I'd have a little bit easier of a time being a, a, a teensy bit happier, um, being a little more financially stable due to my job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tend to think that reading this article, it, it's pointing out a larger problem that happens to corporate America, and I, I'm sure it happens all over the world, in fact, which is, you know, the more money you make, the more money you spend. And and so, because honestly, the answer for these people, if they're so unhappy, is do something else, right? But yeah. so many people right. get into very deep debt, and they've got to have all the stuff, and all of the stuff comes along with payments for all the oh, stuff but, and all the debt, and then you feel stuck, right? And and so, yeah. really, these people are stuck. Oh, I, I think it's I think it's a little different than I, I think that is true, but I also think that for for those um, professionals, dentists, lawyers, I don't know about sales managers, but uh, investment bankers, probably maybe as well, um, that they list on here. That these people have you know, a lot of time and uh, a lot of effort involved in their profession. Uh, let's take dentist and lawyer, right? If, if you've been doing it for uh, 10 or 15 or 20 years, um, you may be at a point where what else are you going to do? Oh, you totally can go do something else. That's a total what? What BS, gonna, whatever oh, you no. want. It doesn't what? matter. You can be 50, you can be 55. You can still go do something else completely different. I you can suppose. get a free education. Go to iTunes University and learn whatever the hell you want. Go to Coursera. Go to, doesn't doesn't matter. You can learn anything nowadays. You can become a woodworker in your own garage. It doesn't matter. What what's what's weird to me is there there is based there are two very different tracks that they're talking about here. There are the doctors and the dentists, and then there are 
the uh, investment bankers and the sales managers. And those are totally cutthroat industries. And I think what's weird about those is, you know, if you have some talent and then you're all of a sudden required to work 120-hour work weeks, like it says, um, for a base base pay of $75,000 that you're not going to get to spend because you have no life. But then, you know, you, you make it through that terrible process and then you're making tons of money and you're basically a slave to that system because there's hundreds, if not thousands of people ready to take your spot. As soon as, as soon as you're out, you know, if you can't handle it, there's somebody right there to take it, right? So there's this endless supply of people. That doesn't seem to be the case in architecture. I can't hire somebody in my firm to do the job of a, of a project designer because they're not, no one's available right now in this industry. It seems to me like these are, I guess there's a difference in, in the types of work that we're talking about now. Um, because, yeah, you can make tons and tons of money if you're really good and you want to be a slave to that system, and but you you can be replaced in a second. And I guess you could be replaced pretty quick in architecture, too. It just doesn't seem to be as cutthroat. Well, well, no. I mean, if you, if you go down and you look at the list of the grievances, you know, you've got high student loans, you've got little to no respect from people outside of your... Uh, profession and, <laughs> student lo- you, you know, can go to SciArc and spend 300 grand i was gonna say in in little no respect from people within your profession well nobody will hire you because you, you don't have any practical th- knowledge yeah <laughs> yeah but if you go but if you go through and you're you know you look at a lot you know the list of kind of interesting grievances that they have on what they feel is the reason and rationale behind why it's uh, a unrewarding unfulfilling um, unhappy job architecture has every bit of that if not more in in cases you know because here we are kind of held responsible for um the success and failure of the projects that the institution um, could be yeah, you know, we, right. whereas you know a doctor has to you know perform all of his uh stuff within you know the confines of this hospital and you know he spends all this time in the hospital well guess what we got to make the roof of the hospital stand up so that he could do his job. So, you know, we, we've got, you know, we've got similar grievances and I don't, and maybe it's just something oddly hardwired within me that I found a job that I kind of enjoy and, and like. It goes back to the last, uh, the kind of the last earlier topic that, you know, I don't find an issue with working long, long hours. And even if I gripe or moan or groan, you know, it's just one of these things that doesn't indicate my dissatisfaction or displeasure with the with the profession. It just it's a it's a point of of contention in the moment only. It maybe it's the trying to figure out how to get past the moment to find greater satisfaction in the profession that you chose. Because mm. I always look at it this way, and you know we always say this to our kids: is like, look, whatever job you do, do it with a smile, do it with a little bit of. Uh, of enjoyment because you're the one who choice chose that job. You go through and you get the the one person who's really grumpy on the drive through, and they're just like, "Yeah, can I take your order?" And you're like, "Oh, what you know? How miserable is their life?" Yep. They're the ones who chose to do that job. I did that job for a while, you know, when I was in high school, and I worked the fast food flipping burgers and stuff, and I smiled because you know what? I was the one who asked for the job. If you didn't like the job? Get up, and move. Because there is, as you said, there is somebody waiting to take your spot. So if if um, don't just take up space, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just don't <laughs> exactly. Because then ultimately you're going to be miserable. Then you're going to be the the one who makes the team miserable. Then you're the one who's going to be the one who gets in the way of the success or, or failure of of a project and things like that. Because you're just miserable. So you know, just understand you're the one who took the job. Enjoy it. Well, Cormac, you will be happy to know that on Forbes' 10 most happiest and unhappiest job listings, architecture is not any one of them. (laughs) I noticed. And in fact, you know what? The reason that I clicked on it is we always talk about the clickbait. But the reason that I clicked on it it was because I was curiously interested in knowing whether or not architecture is on there. Because, again, it's this... 20 plus years into the profession, I'm still pretty naive about the profession enough to actually keep enjoying it every day. Well, there's, it's so deep. There's so many facets to it. I think, I think you could 
pick a new thing to look at every day and you would never run out of topics. Kind of like this podcast. Kind of, exactly. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> you beat us all to it. How do you still have things to talk about? Yeah, that's easy. Because there's a lot of different things going on in the profession every single day. And the whole point, you know, as we were, as we've been kind of having to assess why we do the, the podcast with the questions that we've been getting re- more recently with, yeah, I think you guys know what I'm talking about, but it's, why do we do the podcast? It's because there's a lot of things that people don't know about architecture that we want to share our experience in. But, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, just kind of, uh, it, it, it's, it's fun to talk about. There's always something changing. Yep. For sure. Well, and I think with that, we can ask people to keep coming back and listening to more. So if you have questions or comments, visit our website at arcuspeakpodcast.com. There you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcuspeak Podcast Facebook page, where we've been getting a little more action over there, uh, posting some questions and getting some comments. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, So we appreciate everybody joining in on that part of the conversation. We've had a couple of calls. Keep them coming. Call the Arcuspeak Podcast line at 415-484-8496. And, uh, If you haven't already done so, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps promote the show. And uh, also, too, before we leave, we want to thank our sponsors for this episode, ARCAT. Visit them at ARCAT.com and the Architecture Business Plan competition at ARCBusinessPlan.com. So thanks to both of them for uh, sponsoring this episode of ARCAspeak. And stay subscribed, and thanks for listening, everyone. Go win 10000 bucks. That's right. All right. Talk to you guys later. Till next time. Isn't that like how they would sign off the Batman show or something back in the day? Till next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Same bat channel, same bat time. Something like that. Cormac, you should know that. Don't you have the Batman 66 DVD box set? Didn't I just say what it was?
one bag. 